yourself in for coffee or soda or coffee and soda or pretzels and coffee and candy and soda and why don't you chew and tend to like you're supposed to and why can't the sun last forever for coffee or soda or coffee and soda or pretzels and coffee and candy and soda and why don't you chew and tend to like you're Welcome back to The Exchange, presented by Owen Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey. I'm Mike Ferguson. This is episode four of season two and part two of a conversation about coffee roasters and retailing. We hit the ground running as Todd lists some of the nuts and bolts around deciding to open a coffee house. And now, here they are, Mark and Todd. And that, I mean, it brings you to like an, an obvious question. And if anyone listening has not done this and you're on the edge of signing a lease for a retail location, I mean, if you haven't asked the question, how many espressos, how many filter coffees or how many of, you know, X, Y, Z iterations of specialty coffee that I want to sell are actually sold within X distance, uh, you know, linear distance from this location in a given day, or let's say within this particular municipality, if in it's, you know, more than a, if it's a secondary or primary market within this neighborhood, right? Right. If you can't like make a, a, a somewhat educated estimate of that and then, and then come up with a compelling justification for why you in your location, who you are and what you stand to offer grab what is a you know a, a modest percentage of that shoot low mid and high and then look at your overheads and and your whole build out and your whole financial model and say wow this is worth doing man if you haven't done that yet like stop the podcast now go do yeah. that and then come back to yeah, us absolutely. because you know that 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 can make this um so clear as to whether or not to jump um you know and and the last thing anybody wants is to get involved in as grueling a business as retail yeah it's tough um when when they don't want to and uh when they have a good business already that this is just going to kill so you know i i do think to your point on you know making a business that all of a sudden becomes something else the interesting twist on that is is where you can be involved in other business ventures and you can be like uh you know you can uh resource and empower like professionals in baking in other crafts and related crafts you can take a a left pocket right pocket approach with related businesses and subsidiaries you know not to be all you know uh you know a mogul about it or, or you know pseudo mogul about it but more to say hey okay what's what is what's meaningful here and how can these relate kind of like how you would look at your wholesale clients or even how any whole, uh, wholesale roaster who is getting into retail should look at their own retail, right? Yeah. Um, it's not, hey, the the business is delivering coffee to the retail. It, it, you should really class these businesses as entities. And then you should, you know, with all ways that you're analyzing your business and how you're essentially keeping your books, you should be selling the coffee to yourself. The, the best outcome of that is that you're actually – your own yes or your own no when it comes to purchasing that coffee wholesale, right? right? So, you know, the other thing I would say, and and this comes down to uh, a point that you could take and say, well, this is why I'm not going to retail, which would be that it's a totally different business discipline. Right. But I would say that that's also 
every reason why when when you do set these up, you should set them up to be uh, maybe not separate legally, though there's a lot of backup for why you would do that. Um, but you should certainly set them up separately in terms of their operations to where they're both successful as they Stand are alone. for each other and with each other. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you should be your best customer at your retail location from your wholesale yeah. business. Right. And it should, it should be what, what you train essentially every other wholesale customer to be for you. Absolutely. And and one of the other options that I, you know, I wanted to bring up is the idea of a partnership. It, it's like, you know, I think Todd, you hit on the point earlier about, you know, empowering somebody to be, you know, like the, a baker and you're going to, you know, bring them into the fold and create this second entity that falls within your, you know, and you create this kind of, I mean, mogul is a bad word, but you create, you know, a whole, you know, different holdings, different, you know, avenues of business here. But the idea of, you know, if, if there is a, a pure wholesale bakery that you know, and you're a pure wholesale coffee company, the idea of saying, let's open a retail shop together, they're doing the baking, you're doing the coffee, and you're sharing the burden of the shop, but you're getting your brand out there. That's another option. And there was an example of that out here that didn't, for whatever reason, it, it kind of started and stopped with uh, Bar Tartine, uh, Tartine Bakery and Blue Bottle, you know, had announced this partnership and it lasted for a while. And then Tartine broke away from it for I don't really remember what the reason was, but it was an interesting merger in the sense that you had a very popular uh bakery brand here and a very popular coffee company and the idea of them working together uh versus blue bottle opening their own bakery and doing it on their own i thought was an interesting twist on that or you look at something like sid mashburn which is completely out of the blue a clothing company that wanted a cafe in their clothing stores and their store experience is quite unique and opened a cafe in their store, but they're you know they're having other roasters, um, you know, train them, and they're going to feature their their coffee in there. And it's a wholesale account, but they're as much promoting that brand of coffee as they are their own brand of Sid Mash. Yeah, I love that that mutual strength model. I love it in in the ways that are visible from the outside third party, you know, where you see, hey, the, the preeminent baker and the preeminent coffee roaster in town are doing something. It's its own thing. And it's the best of both. And, you know, but then on top of that, at, from from the back end, you know, having been a part of uh, somewhat similar entities, there is nothing better than than not, you know, than sharing in a business uh, with awesome, creative, and driven people. I mean, it's complicated because people are complicated. But but when you look at you know the the opportunity to have like really profound interests in your business that that are driven from outside of only your energy, and that stand to bring validity and and good ideas and great uh, challenging tension and accountability. I mean, you know, it, it takes some maturity to to dig into that and to celebrate that. But man, at the end of the day, I mean, the stuff that can come out of those things are uh, it's just beyond. Oh, right? absolutely. Um, I I think it's awesome. I mean, th this does lead to another why not, which I think is is a pretty significant and profound one. Though this isn't hinting in a, in a negative, but the, the flip of this is you know 
you could put yourself into a competing position with potential or existing wholesale customers. So let's say, you know, preeminent bakery uh, uses your coffee in their spot to begin with. And then there's you wanting to do something elevated uh, with your coffee. Let's let's say that, you know, it's not pie in the sky perfect situation where you're a purely wholesale roaster, they're a purely wholesale baker, and then you just marry up for a retail location that is the best of both worlds. Um, but, you know, in in a way, trying to do something in this space um, doesn't need to be joint, but in general, you end up getting into a spot where depending on how you play it, you could either put out or uh, you know, turn uh, a wholesaler the wrong way. You could be too close. You could enter the market. You know, if you're in a small city, I think a Providence is a great example. Um, if you jump in and, and you're just unabashed about it and you think, you know, your your whole shtick is we're going to be the, you know, we're obviously the best and we're just going to go in and, and not, you know, take the steps we need to, to do this right, to communicate to people, to be community focused and and big picture. I mean, there's no, there should be no surprise that that people don't want to do business with you from a wholesale perspective. So, what what was one of the greatest <laughs> backups for why to get into retail to express your brand and build your wholesale all of a sudden becomes you know the opposite where you start uh, taking the business from key wholesale customers. Right. So you, you have to be careful. I think that comes down to you know maturity, communication, location. Um, and, and really, I think at, at a point and, and your example earlier of blue bottle getting out of wholesale entirely to right. just go after retail. Yeah. I mean, this is the opposite, but equal action here. I mean, there's, I think it just means that you look at your business in a really, uh, granular way and say, well, where do we win? You know, sure. And some people are going to answer that question at retail. So let's go and let's cut everything else out. Uh, whether ahead or behind, and some people are going to say, you know, we we win in a diversified way. Where maybe you're you're finding yourself in a in a region, and you're a regional roaster or a sub regional roaster, and uh, you know maybe you're one city, and you're saying, well, we're going to have one stronghold in each neighborhood, or um, and we pick and choose the wholesale customers, and if so and so came along, we have to drop them because. You know, we have to drop this other one because this is just the nature of of getting the best possible customers right. and not oversaturating. You know, that stuff is it's not really romantic to think about or to discuss, but but you should be thinking about that stuff because if you don't do it on purpose, I mean, the wind of circumstance is just gonna to blow you around and you're not going to accomplish what you hope. You're not going to gain uh, the type of traction, whether, you know, fiscally or, you know, product placement, brand identity or, or cachet. You're just not going to get there. Right. And, and, um, and I think, you know, if you're out there and you're asking these questions and you're, you're putting in the, the time, you deserve it. So, you know, dig in and, and, and ask those hard questions. But, I mean, would there be any scenarios that you've seen in your tenure in the industry where, someone went into retail and just totally alienated their existing customer base. I mean, is there anything that comes to mind like that that you might share? No, not really. In fact, the the opposite. I, I had that trepidation when I got into retail of, you know, do I agitate my wholesale customers and lose more business than I could gain on my own? And I remember driving, you know, and I was in Portland 
um, going to one of the SCAA shows. I was driving to Seattle, stopped in Portland and met Dwayne Sorensen um, with Stumptown when Stumptown probably had, I want to say like five stores. And it blew my mind how there'd be a Stumptown store next door to a bakery selling Stumptown, next to a restaurant selling Stumptown, across the street from another cafe selling Stumptown. And it just seemed like he wasn't doing what we all feared when we got into that was nobody was being turned off by the fact that there was multiple outlets or usually what you fear is well they're going to see too much of me then all of a sudden a competitor is going to have a foot in the door because they want diversity at some level that wasn't happening either but for the life of me I can't think of an example of a wholesaler getting into retail and losing key clients I've never seen it happen but it certainly is something that anybody should be concerned about, but I, I've yet to see that fear be justified in any, you know, relevant way. Yeah, I've only ever seen it in more localized markets. Yeah, like I think it's, I think it's, I think it's the type of thing that companies that are that are much more localized and that have not um, gone through and kind of focus their local customer base and then focus their sales strategy outward, right? Right. I think that's where I've seen it happen almost exclusively where, you know, let's say you're in a a tertiary or beyond market. Um, Again, a a city like Providence is a great example. If you're completely beyond saturated, you're at the point where it's, you know, people are asking the question, hey, I I got your coffee here and it was great and I got your coffee there and it was unrecognizable. How does that work? You know, if that's a question you're getting um, in a lot of ways, you got to not only narrow down, you know, who you're selling to and really decide what segment is yours. But if you're going to splash the pot and get involved at retail there, um, you, you have to really think about, okay, Hey, do we have the brand strength to do this? And, or are our customers resilient enough and confident enough that this is not about us coming after their business? Sure. Right. But, but in a small town or in a, in a smaller area, um, you know, those things can be sensitive, but I mean, any, any other why nots, I mean, from your perspective, um, as to why, People should think twice about getting into wholesale. I mean, we've covered you mean retail. the complexity of the business. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah the, I the mean, retail. the main why not is is because you can build a successful brand that's a pure wholesale brand. It can be done, and it's done all of the time. So don't – this. there's the, the biggest, I think, uh, problem that I have with the industry sometimes is if you read – the trade magazines and if you attend the SCAA or the SCA now or if you go to barista events you think that that is what the world the coffee world's about that that's what the customers want you know if you went to a good food awards and you looked at the the top placing coffees if you weren't you know a coffee professional the message is okay, I need to have Kenya, I need to have Geisha, and I need to have some Ethiopians. And that's my product line. That's all I need because those are the coffees that are valued. And, you know, I I have to have this espresso machine and I have to, you know, brew this way. And that's what's hot right now. And I think that when the rush to open retail and have this retail presence was huge, it, it made 
pure wholesalers very insecure and and some of them made a huge mistake by jumping into it because they didn't have the rock star person to run that retail entity they didn't understand their costings they got spread too thin and they basically destroyed their you know both of their businesses that you can double down your efforts as a wholesaler and do very well and so you don't have to look at this as an option if you don't want to. But I still point to moving forward into the future that if I were back into roasting today, I would be spending most of my effort in building my brand trying to sell mail order. I do think that in many cases, that is going to be the future here right now. I mean, cafes are always, you know, everybody's going to always go out and get coffee to drink. But as a cheap way to enter the retail space to take the money that you would normally spend on a cafe spend that on marketing efforts and a solid mail order program i think you would have very good success and i think that if your long-term plan is to sell or be absorbed and cash out and live on that yacht wherever you want to live that is also a vehicle to get you there because there are a lot of companies that are eyeballing you know future acquisition targets and it's it's it is about their mail order presence and it is about how wide their customer base is and it is less about how many retail stores they have so i i I just i can't emphasize it enough it's something that i think that if you are, are are on a limited budget and and you don't have you know massive investors behind you you have to make very smart moves here you you know a quarter million here and a quarter million there on retail stores you know, runs out of money very quickly. And there are other ways, there are better ways to spend that money that may deliver you a much bigger bang for your buck. I do think, I mean, I I absolutely agree with you. I I do think, though, the challenge becomes how do you have the darling brand that all these other companies that have created, you know, buzzworthy retail locations that, that are, have high optics and are, you know, the, the, the visuals are there, they're well covered in, in coffee and, uh, you know, regional food press beyond, um, the, the big challenge is how, you know, how do you put the pieces together to actually have that type of brand cachet when you're, you're not controlling the final step. And so, Totally agreed. I mean, you know, from an investment perspective and, and then for sure from a, a like a liquidation conversion, whatever you want to call it perspective, you know, how to create an exit strategy and actually as like a business owner or investor actually sell the business and, and make out, um, you know, the vast majority of, of retail businesses in food in general, let alone, you know, specialty coffee will probably never sell, you know, there will never be like, you know, the, the, the payday for the owners, unfortunately. I mean, that may be negative Nancy type uh, talk coming from me, but I just don't see how from a, a passive quote unquote investment standpoint, mm-hmm. the, the, there is the appeal in a widespread enough way to say like, wow, yeah, this is, you know, it's all going that direction. It's not, no. you know, so it's all the more reason to, to be slow to get involved, to not make assumptions that like, Hey, you're going to open the shop and, and you'll just cash the checks as they roll in at the end of the <laughs> month when you running such a mean surplus, then definitely not the case. No. But, but, I, but I do think, you know, if you have an awesome mail order, a 
awesome growing passive lead stream that way and and your brand can can persist in that space unbelievable and and certainly like growing be well thrivable type of space that you can get in the hard part is how do you get into there and 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 become sought after like those good food awards finalists like those darling third wave specialty coffee companies yeah. all of whom have shops that put them on the map right yeah absolutely. so you know i do think you know again agreed but disagreed in a way where i i think you know you're those who are listening who are on the edge of do i do this do i not i, I really think you have a tough choice you know i think that the question is can you do it i think you should you should get involved in most all cases but the real question is can i do this and win and um and that is not always a yes. And, and it's probably part when it's probably part, you know, do I have the funding, the money? Uh, can I have the money? The, the, the other question, and, and this becomes even harder is, you know, there's a lot of people, I think, who are looking from the outside and saying, I want to invest in specialty coffee because it's a cash cow, right. which, you know, we've already talked about is not true. Right. But it's good for people who are listening, who are business owners, who want to leverage their existing business to do something bigger, sure. right? You know, sure. get, get a money in the business, invest further, potentially increase their own piece of, of the pie. The hard part is, you know, how much to, to fund a, a quarter million dollar build out or more, how much of your business realistically are you going to have to leverage to do that? Right. And, and that's a really tough um, conversation to have if you're within the first three years of your business and you've slugged it out from nothing to get where you are now. I mean, you know, you, you should really take some time before you sell off a significant share at a low price, um, you know, because that's going to come back in another five, 10 years. And, um, you know, that might be a big regret. But um, but anyway, I feel like the, the right way to wrap this this conversation up is to just kind of like outline a best case scenario for let's say everyone who's listening is is chewing on this they haven't given up on us they're still sitting on the edge of a chair what is in your opinion mark inman mm -hmm. the best case scenario for a, a purely roasting business in its relative infancy gets involved in retail and um and the the outcomes are great. What does that look like to you? Just just the bullet points uh, of that. Love to hear. Well, as far as what would that retail shop look like? No, oh, not so much what would it look like. Like what are the things that that a business owner, operator, a stakeholder, senior sort of operations lead, um, you know, what should they be looking at as success metrics for for that being a good thing? That's whether it's uh, this platform or that, right, you know, right. could be web sales direct sure. to consumer. It could be, um, you know, a, a chain of retail stores could be one single location. Right. How would you codify success to that type of sure. stakeholder in that? Sure. Business? Well, I would, I would codify it in the sense of it could be a, a standalone profit center within three years. So it's self-sufficient and it's running. Uh, it has very low turnover uh, profit margins of at least 8%, uh, or, or net profit of 8% a year, uh, and higher. 
Um, and it doesn't take away from your brand, it builds your brand. That would be one of the key things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm directly in line. I have, I have five quick points and, and the, these are in order. Okay. My, my, my first is that it expresses your point of view. Right. I think the most important thing, anybody who's listening, who's a roaster, who's considering retail, like this should be a success metric. It should be built into the, the, the business plan here. If you're taking money and working with investors, it should be well communicated that it's at the top of the list. Um, and, and obviously this creates a challenge if, if you're leveraging, uh, you know, if you're trying to use your experience as a wholesaler to open a new entity that those investors would then not have a part of. I mean, you know, to me, the, the thing that this stands to give to the business um, in its existing streams is arguably bigger, better, and going to drive more profits than what you stand to take out of the entity itself. So, so number one, it expresses your point of view. Number two, it's, it's a selling stream. It, it's a lead stream for your wholesale. This thing is the, the hardest working, least complaining salesperson on your staff, right? Um, and, and that's one of the only ways that this retail enterprise is going to be worth it. Um, third, it trains your wholesale customers just by existing, right? Your wholesale customers, not only do they come and they buy your coffee because they, they see you there, they understand your brand, they know what you believe in, and they believe it too. They want to buy your product. Um, but it shows them how to do it, and they're accountable to your quality standard, like you said earlier, Mark, yeah. just by going in and having your coffee there, just trying to keep pace and to say, we need to be as good as, uh, you know, Roaster XYZ, because that's whose coffee we use, and that's how they do it. Um, fourth, of course, it builds your brand, right? It's The optics are right. It's aligned. It's beautiful if you have a certain aesthetic, if you use certain material to, to uh, outfit the, the, the physical space. But all of those details are, are thoughtfully chosen and, and express that brand um, because, again, it's going to be the thing that allows you to create secondary and tertiary revenue streams um you know that's going to be the thing that people come in uh they're visiting family in the area they're in for this reason or that and and that's their one experience that allows you to potentially hook them indefinitely you know i had the best coffee of my life there right that's what you hope uh, that it says. And then, of course, lastly, not least, but but I would say that the expectations for the wholesale roaster who's getting involved in a single retail location, the, the hope monetarily should be it makes some money, right? And and I do think like a, a, an 8% net profit minimum is is probably even aggressive for this. Um, but But of course, this under no circumstances should be floated by your roasting business um, there should be no synthesis of profit you know because you're able to sell yourself coffee at a, a just a, a massive discount um, this should be an entity where if you run it completely separate class on its own that it's it's making some money and it should be um, you know your goal should be uh, you know beyond that that eight percent mark aspirationally in you know three to five calendar years, once you've uh, become established and, and you're able to 
um, you know, work yourself into a more um, sort of secure financial position. Right. But, but those would be my best case scenario, like how you could measure success. And, and this could be a retail spot. This could be, you know, a, a, a more kind of robust uh, web treatment. It could be a rollout of pop-ups and strategic uh, farmers market events throughout your city and you really like make that effort either way I think that it's going to be uh, a success to the roasting business in those ways and in that order and if you can uh, prioritize it that way I think you know you can find yourself um, you know making a safe investment according to your metrics the potential upside is commensurate with the risk um, but also I think you can find that it's just going to become an absolute resource to your business. So that's quite a list. It seems like you did a little homework before the show here, Todd. I'm I'm almost calling foul here on this one. I was like riffing off the top of my head and it sounds like you had a you know, you wrote a uh, thesis before we started the show. I it's it's a it's a space that I am happy to participate in and I, I, I really do think that like this is one of those things that um I, I feel I actually think most roasters that are that are entering the market as as wholesale roasters, this is a space they have to contend with. They have Absolutely. to get involved some way, shape, yeah. or form. It's it's a non-starter if you don't. It, it's incredibly hard to compete as a wholesaler if you're not somehow expressed at retail in a meaningful way. It's also just really hard. Uh, you know, there it's we're hitting a point of of relative saturation in most sub-markets. So I, I think this is one place that, that for anyone who's listening, who's really like, is this a question I even need to ask myself? I, I mean, unfortunately, I think it, it absolutely is. I mean, if, if you're not considering it, you absolutely have to. And I, I actually think you have to, it's not a question of if you do, it's, it's how you do. You, you have to do it um, at a point and, and it's really about figuring out the right place to go. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's why I spent some time with it. I also, you know, I have to keep pace with you, sir. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's a tough position yeah, to be in. I, I mean, I've, I've shown up grossly underprepared numerous times, but that said, I mean, you know, you have more seasons in the field. You're a, you're a true professional. So I'm just trying to take cues oh, from well, you. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, from my side, I think that wraps it up. But, but Mark, I mean, any final words for the coffee roaster when it comes to retail? Any last uh, warnings or words of wisdom? Well, I think you, you your points were perfect. I, I think that, uh, you know, see what works out there. See what models that you have, um, you know, have been a customer at that you say, this is this is how I would want to do it. Have a clear vision for what that is. There are a lot of coffee retail uh, locations that I go into that it's a confusing setup and it doesn't express the vision necessarily of the wholesale brand. And then there are others that just express it so well that it's, it, it's a, a benefit to the brand itself to have the retail presence. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, see what's out there and, and, and do your homework and before you, you know, you really start putting money on the line. For sure. And, and I would say, you know, it's sort of a string bet on my part. I apologize, but I would say too, like get creative there. There's definitely opportunities out there that are not inherently expensive, but, um, yeah, no, awesome to, to talk through this topic. I hope it's of value to everyone who's listening. I hope we, we, we've kept everyone engaged, um, 
But uh, yeah, I'll say, uh, you know, to land the plane for the exchange from Olam Specialty Coffee, it's, it's as always a pleasure to join you, Mr. Mark Enman. Huh. Uh, but this is Todd Mackey uh, signing out and saying good night. I'll be signing off as well. Mark Enman from the exchange presented by Olam Specialty Coffee. Good night. Hey kids, Mark Inman here from The Exchange. Have you ever thought about having your coffee featured on the What's in Our Cup segment that Todd and I do at the beginning of each episode? Well, you can do that by emailing us at theexchange at olamnet.com. O-L-A-M-N-E-T dot com. You've been listening to The Exchange, presented by Olam Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey, directed by Mike Ferguson. Our opening theme was Coffee or Soda by Jake McClevey. Our closing theme is Brazilian X by Palapist. And now, your postscript.